This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 38 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we take you to the South African bush with Anna Musi to talk about a very unique second career for retired racehorses. Eric Floyd joins us again to talk about the ins and outs of handicap racing as we prepare for the Kentucky Derby. Sarah Coleman brings us some news from new vocations and Leander drops another hot training tip and our adoptable horse of the week. Listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Well, Joy, by God, I think you've done it. I mean, just when you think we can't possibly cover another thing that off-the-track thoroughbreds can do for a career, you go and find this. This is possibly going to be the most awesome interview for an off-the-track thoroughbred type interview ever. I feel like I've raised the bar to a point that like, I can't <laughs> surpass this. So. Un- Believable. I, I hope everyone enjoys it. I got to give it out to Glenn, though. He's the one who shared it. I, just mind-blowing. One of okay. the most exciting interviews we've done. Let me tell you guys, I'm just going to give you a little, in the biz, we call it the tease. I'm going to give you a tease here. <laughs> it has to do with off-the-track thoroughbreds and rhinoceroses. Okay? Enough said. This is going to be an awesome interview coming up in just a little bit. But first of all, girl, I am over this heat. I am ready for August to be over. It's almost, we're almost through it. Same. And our fly season has been (sighs) the worst. And oh, leave it to my horse. I decided to put fly sheets on them. I try not to do it, but like we just had to go for it this year. Leave it to my thoroughbred to be the one horse who gets a bee stuck in her sheet. Oh no. And I'm Are just sitting serious? there like painting trot poles, making them pretty so we can start working on our new dressage stuff. I watched this lovely little chestnut. I guess she's not little anymore, but sprinting around bucking to the moon. I was like, what is going on? I get up there. She's trying to rip her sheet off, rolling around. Oh, and so no. I'm like, I felt like, you know, in the Jurassic park movies where uh, what's his name? Uh, I almost said Chris Evans. Anyway, oh, Chris, yeah, that guy, one of the Chris's. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, he like puts his hands out with the Raptors. He's like, ah, oh, nobody move. And I was like, that's what I felt like with my horse. I'm like running out there, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, I don't know if I'm more scared of you or this bee. So I rip her sheet off. I see the bee is already dead in there. She killed it, but it's just not enough. And then she just rolls and then licks my hand. Oh my gosh. That is terrifying. Yeah. It's like everybody stands still. And by the way, I don't know if his name is Chris or not. I know him as star Lord or Andy Dwyer from parks. Yeah. It's like, I know Andy (laughs) from parks and rec, but uh, anywho, 
We'll get to it. Yeah. Good times. Well, (laughs) that sounds like a lot of fun. I know I've had horses. I had a horse, a thoroughbred one time I was taking them through cross country and they had just cleared this brush. You know, we're talking about some serious first world equestrian problems (laughs) compared to our guests coming up, but we'll, we'll get Aram before she gets on and hears them. Uh, but I, they had just cleared this whole path for cross country. The course took to kind of go through the woods. Oh my God. I jumped like it was like fence five and my horse just, his name was oh so mellow, just landed bucking up a storm, bucking oh, up a storm, tossed me off. Not that mellow. Oh, not that <laughs> mellow. He galloped all the way home. And it turns out where they had cleared a bunch of bushes, I was the first horse on course and there was a beehive that they had <gasps> upset. And oh that God. horse had stings all in his sheath area, like in between his back legs. So yeah, horses and bees, they They're don't not a go. Thing. They don't no. like to hang. Never a thing. Don't ever think that they should, but th- that sucks that there was one to do. And now she's going to be like, don't ever put that thing on me again. It's full of bees. I'll never trust I you. I don't again. know. Like she sniffed it and then she just kind of laid next to it. And I was like, I don't know what this means. You're the weirdest horse I've ever owned in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad she's okay. And I, we, you know what? Let's, let's not tease everybody anymore. Let's get to our sponsor, Kentucky performance products, and then we'll get to our guest. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we have such a special guest with us today. We have Anna Moosey, who probably has like the coolest job ever. Ever. She works ever. She works as an orphanage manager at Rhino Revolution in South Africa, And she's here to talk to us about how she's given racehorses a second career doing something so amazing for rhinos everywhere. Welcome to the show, Anna. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, my gosh. First off, how did you find Rhino Revolution and get such an epic job? I'm just like, who gets to do mounted anti-poaching unit? I I I guess. I mean, what? (laughs) what, what is it that you do exactly, Anna? Um, Well, I'm actually the operations manager of Rhino Revolution. So I run all of our different areas of the organization that all are based on conservation and anti-poaching. And the Mounted Patrols is just one of those. So I'm very lucky to run the security and the Mounted Patrols. And like you said, we've got four X-ray sources that we're using for those. So tell everybody, what is Rhino Revolution? Mm -hmm. So it's a nonprofit organization that is trying to combat poaching, like you say, here in South Africa on 
a three-prong approach. So we've got the mounted patrols that we do on the reserve where our orphanage is based, and we also fund dehorning of rhinos as well. We have an orphanage where we rescue, rehabilitate, and then release endangered species, but mainly focusing on rhino and pangolin. And then we've got community engagement projects, such as our Green Kids Project, which is trying to prevent poaching through education and sort of uplifting the local communities bordering the reserves. And so I sort of manage all of those aspects of the organization. Wow, that's just the coolest job. I'd, how did you go from there? Because you're originally from the UK, right? How did you find yourself in this position? Yes, it's, I've done quite a nice quite a nice loop back to where I started. So back in the UK, I was actually working in horse racing. And I ended up having a car accident, which meant that I sort of lost my job temporarily while I was having surgery. And I actually took a gap year during everything. And that's what brought me to South Africa. And I worked for a horseback safari company for a while and through them met the local wildlife veterinarian, Dr. Peter Rogers. Was very lucky to work underneath him for just over four years. And then when Rhino Evolution offered me a job, like you say, it's almost like a dream come true. It really is the best job in the world. Joy, there are so many things that I want to know about, like how to take care of the rhinos. Are there just Mm -hmm. rhinos walking around everywhere? How does this work? But also you guys remove the horns to prevent the poaching. But how do thoroughbreds come into play for you guys? So Lisa Harris, who was a racehorse trainer in Zimbabwe, actually moved to South Africa and in 2012 bought eight of her her racehorses that had retired with her. Four were used on a conservancy nearby and four are still being used on the conservancy where the orphanage is and where we've previously released five of our orphaned rhinos that are now living life in the wild. So we're actually using those ex-race horses to do presence patrols and monitoring of the five orphan baby rhinos that are now free and Um, living a happy life in the wild after a successful rehabilitation. Oh my gosh. And I I just have to ask, because I'm thinking about American X-race horses and Mm. some of the stereotypes that come with them. How do you acclimate a racehorse to seeing a rhino? Because I think my racehorse would have a stroke. And giraffes and all the, if you look at pictures (laughs) of a Rhino Revolution's webpage, I mean, what they are seeing is amazing. These photographs Mm -hmm. are uh, brilliant. Yeah. How does, how does one desensitize a horse to a giraffe walking by? So interesting because giraffes are probably one of the hardest things to to desensitize an animal to. They are so, so still right up until the last minute and they do blend into the trees. And I I think of all of the game that I've ridden with, um, giraffe is probably the biggest thing to spook, to spook a horse. So, and it is just desensitizing and it's having them come into contact with these animals almost on a daily basis basis and letting them smell and hear and see them from a distance first before you know getting them closer and stables are actually there where the orphanage is so at the time we had the five orphan rhinos over the space of three to five years these horses were 
sort of almost seeing, hearing and smelling them every single day. So they're incredibly relaxed around Rhino at the moment. We can safely monitor them at a distance and, and watch their behavior without being too worried about the horse's reaction. But it is a process. Um, we do start sort of small as always and then build up as they get used to it. Interesting. And the rhinos have no issue with the horses either. I mean, they're both prey animals at the end of the day. Definitely. And we always have to monitor each situation very carefully. And every single day is different, you know, as with anyone working with animal behavior. But we've actually found that the rhino are much more relaxed with the horses on patrol than if they were with people in a vehicle or um, people on foot. So that's also very nice for us. We can monitor them in their natural environment without disturbing them too too greatly compared to if we were um, on foot or in a vehicle. Why do you think that is? Again, I think because these rhino that we're monitoring as they were orphaned and they were raised at the orphanage, even though it is a closed facility, the horses did go out on patrol every single day. And I think it's just them getting accustomed to the sights and the smells of each other from an early age. And, mm-hmm. and then the patrols go out daily as well now, even though the animals are out on the reserve. So I think if they continue to see and continue to hear and smell them, then it's something familiar to them. It's not something that'll that'll spook them. That makes perfect sense. So when looking for a racehorse or I guess any horse really to join the mounted patrol, what do you look for? Because, you know, here we kind of have the stereotypes that thoroughbreds don't have the best feet. You know, you might deal with kissing spines or ulcers. How do you manage keeping your horses healthy and what do you look for for the right horse for this job? So all of our anti-poaching horses were from uh, racing backgrounds. They were brought over in 2012 to start the mounted patrols and they're still just as strong and just as healthy now as when they started. And I think a lot of that is because they're in a herd. All the horses are out in a large paddock together. They've got over four hectares to walk during the day. And I definitely believe that keeps them strong. It keeps them healthy keeps the blood flowing and the muscles going. And also they are shod just because of the terrain. We've Mm. got rockier fence lines on our reserves. So obviously being barefoot wouldn't work, but you just have to find what works for the horse. And I also believe that, you know, the riders also play a big part in, in the upkeep of the horses. We do allow them to stretch. We do make sure they're working through their backs just to make sure, like you say, we're preventing things like kissing spine and and other joint issues. I have a question. Why in this day and age, are people still poaching rhinos and pangolins? Why? Why do they want them? So difficult because it's not just a localized problem. It's, It's not as simple as, you know, shooting to kill a poacher that the problem lies with the demand and that is unfortunately coming from overseas in very wealthy affluent countries mainly in asia and it is usually traditional medicine but we're now seeing a lot of status symbols and tokens as well from rhino horn keratin pangolin scales and things like shark fins and lion claws as well all all sorts of illegal wildlife trade are being dragged into it. But it is unfortunately status symbol. This this token is becoming so rare now, this rhino horn. 
it does show a large portion of wealth to those that have it. And then there are people that still believe it can cure whatever ailment or cancer that that they used to. So that demand is then being passed down the chain through syndicates and all the poachers operating on the ground. And unfortunately, there's just so much poverty here in South Africa. There's always going to be someone willing to kill a rhino or poach a pangolin to feed their family for probably what would be over a year. And it's a big problem because you can't target poverty as a whole um, from an organization. That then stems with sort of government and education and, and things that are out of our hands. It's it's a tree with lots of roots for sure. When you are on the thoroughbreds or your riders are out and they're patrolling, is it like a shoot to kill kind of thing? How does that how does that work? What are the rules? Definitely not. So we're more of a presence patrol. So we do patrol the fence lines of the reserve every day. Depending on the weather, we can do a full fence patrol. Otherwise, we split it in the mo- in the morning and in the afternoon. We'll do half in the morning and half in the afternoon. And we are mainly detection, presence patrol. The horses are visibly seen, so the tracks are clear. The guards are clear on the horses from outside the fence. And if we can pick anything up, we then radio it into the grounds team because the last thing we want is to put the horses in, in the line of danger. So then we'll radio the ground support team and then the anti-poaching unit on the ground will then go in and respond with the vehicle. Wow, I think that, yeah, what you said about stopping the demand is going to be where it's at because unfortunately you understand people trying to feed their families at any cost, but it's at the cost of these beautiful animals that you're trying so hard to save. It's just one of those things you just lose sleep at night joy over over this. But if you guys are interested, it's rhinorevolution.org. Anna, how can people help you guys? Mm Mm-hmm. So we are a closed facility, which means we unfortunately don't have day visitors or tours or anything like that because we want our animals to be released as wild as possible. Our main goal is is rewilding. Um, But we do offer a volunteer program. You can have a look at our Facebook. And as you said, have a look on our website. There's plenty of platforms for you to donate. If you want to fundraise, you can fundraise. And 100% of donations will go to whatever part of the organization you want to support, whether that's the community education, the orphanage, or the anti-poaching. So there's no admin fees. Whatever your, whatever your aim and whatever you want to support, we will make sure the money goes to that area. Thank you so much, Anna. This has just been eye-opening. And thank you for giving another job to these ex-racehorses as well that adds so much value back to you know, all the missions you're trying to accomplish. If you guys want to learn more, it's www.rhinorevolution.org. And again, thank you, Anna, for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank, thank you. you. As if you needed a reminder, especially after listening to the beginning of the show, it's fly time and you can protect your equine friends with Cashel Company's full line of chemical-free fly protection. The Cashel Company's Crusader Fly Mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects and it blocks 70% of UV rays. Available in an array of styles and sizes, Cashel Company's Crusader line of fly protection is a chemical-free alternative to fly sprays that can contain 
contain chemicals. They're expensive. They don't last very long. So the Crusader line by Casual Company can protect your horse from head to toe. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots. Extend the life of your horse's shoes. Alleviate pressure from their leg soft tissues with the Casual Company's Crusader Leg Guards. The unique adjustable design helps reduce stomping caused by insect-induced stress and fits any horse in the barn. For more information on Casual products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit casualcompany.com or you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. I'm pleased to welcome again Eric Floyd. He is the author of Heaven's Premier Horse Race. And Eric, thank you so much for joining us. You are as kind of involved in the triple crown and horse racing and the, the big three, you know, as anybody I would think. And I don't even know where to start with this year. What is happening? I know. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to be on retired racehorse radio. Thank you so much for having me. And obviously the pandemic has thrown a wrench in the works a little bit, but the important thing is that the triple crown is still on. We've already had the Belmont run and the Derby is going to be the first Saturday in September this year instead of the first Saturday in May. So I'm just thankful they're going to run it, and they're going to run the Preakness there in early October. So thank goodness the Triple Crown is still intact, and because the Triple Crown just hovers over thoroughbred racing more than any other event. So I just thought it was really important they had it. The Derby has been running continuously since 1867. Just thank goodness they're going to have it. Now, okay, so we've got the three races. It sounded so weird for you to say the first Saturday in September. That doesn't (laughs) seem right at all. Now, we've got our Belmont winner, Tis the Law, and is also running in the Kentucky Derby. We've got some really nice horses from Art Collector, Honor AP, Authentic is in there, all the way down to, I think right now, standing at, I think what I saw is 200 to one. Is that even a thing? Necker Island go through these horses and what are we going to see? All right. Well, can we go ahead and just start by talking about the favorite a little bit to the law because he's such a worthy horse. I just want to talk about him a little bit. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan. Okay. Yeah. He's an easy horse to root for. Absolutely. Going to be an extremely difficult animal to beat in this year's edition of the Kentucky Derby. He's probably going to be the biggest favorite we've seen in quite a long time. I'm thinking maybe morning line six to five, bet down to four to five, but he's such a deserving favorite. This horse, I mean, he's already got a Hall of Fame resume. As a two-year-old, he won Belmont Park's prestigious Champagne Stakes. As a three-year-old, he's collected top honors. You're talking the Holy Bull Stakes, the Florida Derby down at Gulfstream. Like previously mentioned, he's already won the Belmont Stakes. And not this past weekend, but the weekend before, he took down the Traverse Stakes and to boot, this horse's times, man, are just eye-popping. In the Travers, he ran a mile and a quarter, which is, of course, the distance he's going to contest in the Kentucky Derby. He ran that race in two minutes and four fifth seconds, and he was geared wow. down toward the end of that race. I think if Manny Franco wanted to, he could have broke the two-minute barrier. And in the Belmont, I mean, he ran a sizzling mile and an eighth and 146 and two-fifths. That is lying. And you got an old-school veteran tr- trainer here, an incredible horseman in Barkley Tag who trains this horse. He won the 2003 edition of the Kentucky Derby with another New York bred named Funnyside. So you just got the whole package here with this horse. But, you know, something you're going to hear a lot of in the weeks leading up to the Derby, 
Tis the Law's lone defeat came as a two-year-old over over a sloppy racetrack at Churchill Downs, of course, where they run the Kentucky Derby. And that was in the Kentucky Jockey Club Stakes. However, I just think that loss was more of a result of a bad trip rather than the fact that the horse didn't care for the strip. If you go back and you look at that race, he got bottled up there on the far turn behind some horses, including a 78-to-1 shot. And then when he finally managed to get through, Manny Franco finally got him through there near the end of the race. He ended up kind of on the inside part of the track, which I believe was playing really slow that day because of all the rain. So, And he still only got beat three quarters of a length. So I do think he had a legitimate excuse for that race. All that said, the Derby Man is the hardest race in the world to win. And for me personally, taking four to five on a horse in a 20-horse field it's just a dicey proposition. Like you had mentioned, you got a lot of good horses in here that are going to have really juicy odds. And if you can beat Tis the Law on Derby Day, you're going to have a heck of a payday. Well, and that's the thing. So, you know, it's always fun to win, but sometimes if you just play to win, you still aren't going to win very much money or you're going to break even. So assuming Tis the Law is, let's say I want to, I want to bet Tis the Law and I want to bet him with a couple other horses. How do you bet his the law and still make money? Okay, well, it's either you're going to have to bet an exotic bet, they call it, and that's something like you could bet a perfecta, and that's the first two horses across the line in order. So let's say you had mentioned Art Collector. He's one of three horses in there that I think can turn the table on Tis the Law. We'll get to the other ones, hopefully, that uh, I wanted to mention. But if you wanted to bet a perfecta, say, Tis the Law art collector, you could, you know, make your odds a little bit more juicy in that respect, say. Because I think art collector is going to be your second choice on the morning line, second choice in the betting. So you could bet an exact to say, but those two horses would have to cross the wire in exact order. And, I mean, truth be known, it's going to be a chore to hit an exacta in the Kentucky Derby or a trifecta. That's the first three horses across the wire in order because you have to understand, in the Kentucky Derby, you're going to have a 20-horse field, and there's always a lot of traffic. There's always a lot of bumping. Crazy things happen in the Derby. That's why it's kind of insane to take a short price I mean, if you look at what happened last year as a good example, Maximum Security, who won the race, he, he was the favorite in the race at 9-2. to two. He crossed the wire first, but then he got taken down for interference, and the horse that came in second was made your official winner. That was a horse named Country House at odds of 65-1. to one, So, And then you got back in 2009, you got a 50-to-1 shot named Mind That Bird winning the Kentucky Derby. I'm not saying don't play the perfecta. I mean, if you're just dead set on Tis the Law, and you just think this horse is it, he's unbeatable, he's the second coming of Secretariat, and you're just saying, hey, the only way to make money is to put a couple horses with him, then go for it. Personally, I think the strategy in here is to try to beat him, because taking down a purr or a try in the Kentucky Derby is just so difficult. I've never heard it called a perfecta. Is that the same thing as an exacta just without the the box? So you've got an exacta, which is you bet the one, two, and then an exacta box is it's a one, two, two, one. Either way, they can come in first or second, second or first. So I've never heard a perfecta being said. A perfecta is the exact same as an exacta. I live down in Florida, and that's a betting term that is thrown around the dog oh. tracks a lot. But if you hear exacta and perfecta, it's the same thing. And you made a good point. Like, for instance, if you wanted to bet, let's say, Art Collector and Tis the Law, 
you could do an exacta box. So that way, if our collector beat him, you would still win the bet. So let's say tis the law drew post one, our collector drew draw post two. You would go to the window and you would say, for instance, I want to play a dollar exacta box one two. That would be a two dollar bet because you're betting at a dollar one two, a dollar two one, and it could come in either way, and you would still win. Now, will they take twenty five cent boxes? I don't think so. I'm kind of broke. <laughs> Now, I think they do a 50-cent try, though, for instance. So here's a bet for you. Let's say, okay, I'm just going to throw him. Because hopefully we can talk about this horse because I like him. Here's an angle you could bet. They're going to run a 50-cent trifecta in the Kentucky Derby. So you could do, it's called a trifecta key, meaning if you liked Tis the Law to win the race, you would put him on top, and then below there, you would box three other horses. Say you wanted to put Art Collector, a horse named Caracaro, and another horse named King Guillermo. And you could say, now, tis the law, he has to win, but those other three horses, they have to fill in second and third place, and that would only be a $3 bet. So it's called an exacta key. You would bet tis the law on top, and then you would pick three other horses below him, and they would have to fill in second and third place and if you play that 50 cent trifecta key, that's only a $3 bet. Okay. I'm writing this down. What was that called again? <laughs> it's called a trifecta key because you're trifecta keying key. tis the law to win. You're oh keying tis the law to win. And then you would have, you could, and you could bet three other horses below him to come in. They have to fill in second and third. And then uh, that's a $3 bet on just a 50 cent try key. Joy, it was a terrible idea to get Eric on. I, I We got to get rid of him because I, you know, I'm uploading the oh, betting no. apps again. I'm learning I, so I much. Had to delete, I had to delete all these things because I was getting myself <laughs> in trouble. And now again, Eric's come on and he's telling me how to spend my money. I love it. Okay. There so goes the 401k. It's gone. We're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> we're screwed. But now, Joy, some, some, give us some basic bets for the people that don't have a third bread gambling addiction like I do go through kind of the normal standard bets with everybody. Mm-hmm. Eric. Did you say me or your co-host? No, Eric. I want oh, you. Definitely you're the they don't here. want betting <laughs> oh, advice <okay>. from me. <laughs> yeah, basically you, you have uh, it's called straight betting. If you want to make a straight bet, obviously win, the horse has to win. You can bet to place and that means the horse has to come in first or second. You can bet to show, or and that means the horse has to come in first, second, or third. Now, the win bet is going to pay more than a place bet. The place bet will pay more than the show bet. And then you have your other exotic bets. Those are the ones we talked about. That's your exacta. That's the first two horses across the line in order. Your trifecta, the first three horses across the line in order. And your superfecta, the first four horses across the line in order. You can also box those exotic bets. Like if you want to do a dollar trifecta box, okay, you pick three horses, the one, two, three, they can, that's a $6 bet. They can come in any way. It can come in one, two, three, one, three, two, two, one, three, et cetera. Just those three horses have to come across the wire first. That's called boxing your bet. And then the superfectas pick four. And let me tell you, that's a hard one to come with. In 2009, the superfecta for the Kentucky Derby, when mine that bird won at 50 to one, it paid over a hundred thousand dollars for a dollar. And now that's the reason I'll continue to bet it. <laughs> hey, you um, never know. That's the thing about racing. I mean, one super on a huge race like the Derby or the Breeders' Cup Classic, it can be life changing. Yeah, it can be. So, what 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 is the one where you pick the winners from? 
say you look at the races and there's like six races you have to pick the winners from. What is that called? That's called a pick six. Like when you're betting, getting a little bit deeper into it, if you're betting a perfecta or if you're betting a trifecta, they call that vertical betting because you're betting vertically down the form. If you want to bet a pick six, that means you're betting. That's like the the holy grail of paramutual wagering, if you will. That means you're taking six races within a card. The racetrack will determine what races they want to use in that pick six. You have to pick the winner of every single race. That's called horizontal betting because now you're going horizontally across the form. But you don't have to just pick one horse per race. Like A lot of people will spread, meaning let's say the pick six, the track wants to use races one through six to comprise the pick six. In race one, you just don't have to bet one horse. You can bet a couple of horses, but the more horses you add, the greater amount of your wager is going to cost. Gotcha. That is so, I'm like writing everything down. Can <laughs> I pay notes. my student loans at this Kentucky Derby? <laughs> yes, but you can. Speaking of the Derby, so Eric, I don't know if you've heard any rumors, but with the Belmont being shortened this year, it's the first time they've shortened the racetrack in ages. There's rumors that either the Derby or the Preakness might run a little bit longer. They might extend the track. Have you heard that to be true? And if so, how would that affect odds, do you think? I don't think there's any chance that happens. I'll leave it at that. That There's a zero chance the Derby will not be run at a mile and a quarter. That It's just not going to happen. The Derby the Derby has not always been run at a mile and a quarter in its inception in its early years, it was run at all kinds of different distances, but the the Derby has been run at a mile and a quarter for a very long time. There's no way they're going to mess with that distance. It's not going to happen. And for the Preakness, you think it'll stay the same? Mile and three sixteenths, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, so if I was to walk up to the betting window, before we get to that, before I get to your picks, is this going to be like steroids in baseball where there's always going to be like an asterisk at the end of 2020 on the <laughs> derby glasses when you get them the next year because it was a weird year or a re- like if tis the law does win all three do we have a triple crown official triple crown winner yes because you have to understand that the triple crown series has really metamorphosized through the years there have been 13 triple crown winners, only five horses, Secretariat, Seattle's Flu, Affirmed, American Pharaoh, and Justify. Only those five horses have won the triple crown under its current format. That being the Kentucky Derby run on the first Saturday in May, the Preakness two weeks later, and the Belmont three weeks after that. Like back in 1930, when Gallant Fox won the Triple Crown, the Preakness was actually run before the Derby, and then a week later there was the Derby, and then the Belmont came after that. In 1919, when Sir Barton won the Triple Crown, your first Triple Crown winner, he ran the Derby and then ran the Preakness four days later. And then in like 1948, you have Citation winning the Triple Crown, won the Derby on the first Saturday in May, the Preakness two weeks later, but then he had a four-week gap before the Belmont. So the triple crown has really morphed and changed through the years. It's only really toward the latter part of the 20th century that it finally settled into its current and seemingly settled format. Now, if, if one wanted to go and find out who would win all of the horse, if all triple crown winners ran against each other and you wanted to find out who would win, you would go and get Eric's book. It's heaven's premier horse race. You can find it on Amazon, but before we let you go, I got to know who are we betting? 
All right, you named our collector, and he's a really good horse. Do you mind if I go through two horses? Do we have time for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take Absolutely. Time. Okay, so you mentioned Art Collector, and I like Art Collector a lot. Kentucky Bred, five for nine lifetime. He's likely, I had mentioned, your second choice on both the morning line and in the betting. He's going to be like your wise guy horse, meaning your hot horse, your trendy horse, your in vogue horse. This horse has won his last five races, dating back to his last start as a two-year-old. Three of those victories have come at Churchill Downs, where the horse is three for four lifetime. Now, Two races back, our collector won the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland, and he beat a really nice filly that day named Swiss Skydiver. And Swiss Skydiver is, by all accounts, the best filly in the nation. She's going to be favored for the Kentucky Oaks. So that Bluegrass victory that our collector, where he defeated Swiss Skydiver, that looks even better this weekend because this past weekend on Saturday, Swiss Skydiver destroyed a quality, quality field of fillies in the prestigious grade one Alabama stakes at Saratoga. So that just really flattered our collector. This horse can really, really run. His last prep before they wanted to send him to the Derby a couple weeks ago, he he won the Ellis Park Derby, which is a really non-traditional Derby prep, but he just towered above that field, destroyed them, came home in 148 for a mile and an eighth, and that's very fast for that time. So This horse is out of Bernardini, who won the 2006 Preakness, so he's bred to go the distance, and he has a really similar running style to Tis the Law. He breaks fast, he sits right off the pace, and I think those two horses could be neck and neck early, and since there is some other early speed in the race, I think you're really going to have a fast pace this year, and that plays to a closer, and that's going to lead me into the long shot pick I'm going to give you, if I can go ahead and do that. Please do. I'm writing this one down. All right. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, but you know what? I'm going to take a I'm going to take a stab with this horse. And this is a horse who wouldn't even be in the Derby conversation if the Derby was being held on the first Saturday in May because he's kind of a horse that ran into some health problems, but now he's back on the Derby trail. Like I said, if the Derby was run on the first Saturday in May, this horse wouldn't even be in the mix, but because the Derby is being postponed till September, if he's a horse that Tis the Law is going to have to deal with. His name is Caracaro, Kentucky-bred, lightly-raced colt out of a top sire named Uncle Mo, bred to go the derby distance. Now, two back, this horse came in second by a nose in the grade two, mile and eighth, Peter Pan stakes at Saratoga. Coming into that race, this horse hadn't run in six months, so understandably, he was a little light on conditioning, but he still only missed by a nose. His last race, his last prep race, to the Derby. He ran second to Tis the Law in the Travers. Now, he was beaten that day by five and a half lengths, but the Derby is going to be the third star of this horse's form cycle, and that's typically when most thoroughbreds peak, when they hit their apex, when they run their best race. And I think there's enough early speed in the race this year that he's going to have a fast pace to close into. He has a trainer named Gustavo Delgado, this guy has won the Venezuelan Triple Crown three times. He's not a big name like Pletcher or Baffert, but this guy can really train. I mean, can Caracaro make up five and a half lengths in the Derby? I don't know about that, but if Tisdalov stubs his toe, stumbles at the break, gets knocked around, has a bad trip, I think this Caracaro horse is a major contender at a huge price. In the last Derby future pool I saw, this horse is 28 to 1. 
I think even if you don't want to do a win bet, he's a definite use in the exotic bets. All right. Well, you heard it here. We've got Tis the Law to win. Carol, Carol, throw him in there. Throw our collector in there. And I'm a huge fan of Max Player because I love Honor, honor Code. So very good. Thank you so much for coming on, Eric. And hopefully we can have you on again to break down some future races. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm just going to throw in as a shameless plug. If you got anybody out there wants to pick up the book, Heaven's Premier Horse Race, which and all the profits for that book go to charity. All the profits. I see none of it. All you got to do is go to Amazon.com and plug in Heaven's Premier Horse Race. You can get it paperback and you can download it on Kindle. Thank you for letting me plug that. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Yeah. And we'll definitely put the link to that in our show notes as well. So everybody can, if they didn't have a pen right now, they could check it out there. Again, thank you so much for coming on, Eric. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, ladies. And thank you for all you do for our retired equine friends. I really appreciate it. God bless you. It's our pleasure. Bait Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. I've been riding in a bait saddle for about a year now, and I have to say, I don't think I'll ride in any other saddle. My horse seems to constantly be growing to a cinnamon roll that she is, and my bait saddle grows with her, and I love that. So revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. Visit baitsaddles.com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. As always, we have Leandra come on and I surprise her with a training question. So I give her zero background, zero time to prepare. I just ask, what do you do? Because sometimes we're all faced with these quick decisions that we have to make with our off the track thoroughbreds. And sometimes Leandra, by the way, hello. Thank you for coming on. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Now, one of the questions that I think a lot of off the track thoroughbred owners, especially with the new guys really struggle with is getting, you know, these jockeys ride them with their stirrups four inches long. You know, they don't really know what a leg wrapped around their barrel is and what it means. So, um, what are some of the first steps that you, you tell the horse and teach the horse on getting them to move off of the leg? That is a great question because I know there are a lot of people who handle that differently. And a lot of that is going to come from what you're comfortable with as a rider and trainer and what you're comfortable doing yourself. So as far as just desensitization can go, sometimes when we're starting from the ground, and you're working a horse maybe on the lunge line. So you're starting there and you have them under the tack that you'll be using. Then a lot of times I like to, if I think that they might be very reactive, drop my stirrups down and let them feel just the stirrups against their side while they're lunging. And that way you can gauge their reaction. It's going to tell you a little bit about them, the way that they think and the way that they react. And then, If there is anything very dramatic, then hopefully they can sort of get used to it and work out of it before you get on. Now, a lot of times I will skip that step, but I am working with these horses all the time. And I sometimes, I I know that I can handle things when they come up. But like I said, sometimes I still will do that. But a lot of times if you're just getting on, 
then the best, one of the best things you can do is to be really light in your seat. And we're talking about legs, so you might say, well, why are you talking about the seat? And a big part of that is because, like you said, jockeys are riding with really short stirrups, and a lot of times they're not on the horse's back. And if they are, it's very briefly. But that idea of carrying a rider through that heavier seat aid and heavier leg aid is really foreign to them. And you can't really have like totally disconnect your legs from your butt and the rest of your lower half of your body. So it's kind of a package deal. So in introducing all of that, I try to be really light on their backs. A lot of people will see in the videos of these horses, oftentimes we're in a light half seat or we're just, we're purposefully trying to be really light. That's for two reasons. One, because they're not used to something heavier. So we try to just introduce that a little bit more slowly. And two, because they're young and their backs are still developing until they're around seven. So no point in being super heavy on them when we're trying to work on things that are more gradual and are going to benefit in the long run if they can develop a top line, which a lot of times for these young guys, it's going to happen in a different way than it can when you're working on a top line from an older horse. So back to legs. So when you're applying legs, what is the best and what I have found to be the sort of best method is to introduce that gradually. So just like I'm saying, we sort of gradually will try to do a little bit more. We're not going to do a bunch of like really heavy, deep seats, sitting to trot and all that. Like we don't usually start them out like that. We try to be as light as possible. Same sort of concept as with the leg where you'll be applying it a little bit at the time. But I like to do a lot of laterals just in general, and I think that's a really great place to start because you're trying to teach them a new language, and that starts with the alphabet. So when you're breaking down, you know, learning a new language like they are in a different way, you're trying to bridge the gap between what they know and what they don't know, and introducing the new means to get there means introducing these new cues like like. So you can say you're walking down a quarter line and you add just a little bit of like, and again, subtlety is key here because you ideally want them to respond from just a little bit of aid, not a huge all at once aid, but it is ideal to be able to use as little as possible. So a little tap and you're going to help them out with your other like rain aid because those are the things they're used to having the heaviest. So maybe you're applying your left leg and opening up your right hand. And it's going to be confusing for them. Obviously, they they don't know what you're asking, but think about it in that same way of you're teaching them a new language, which means they have to learn a new alphabet. And so you're Mm -hmm. breaking down all those little pieces. So say you apply that left leg and you're just going to just as with as little pressure as you can sort of tap same sort of way like a fly can elicit a response from them and get them to move so you're kind of being like a nagging fly and you just tap your leg and when they move off to the right like you're asking them to do then they get that release and the reward and you can use positive reinforcement both in release of the pressure from your leg but then also you know they certainly appreciate being showered and praised and patting on the neck and all that sort of thing. Baby steps is the concept of it. Baby steps. Some horses are more sensitive than others. And that's where you're going to have to gauge how much you need to use or how little you need to use. And that's why we always like to start with as little as possible. And again, sort of keeping them sensitive in a good sort of way. But a lot of horses, a lot of these young guys, you know, it can the feeling takes a little bit of getting used to. But if you think about 
the way that you're using your, your leg, um, it's going to make a huge difference. And I don't want to, I could drag on about this for a long, long time, but I just think that one of the best images of this that I have was there was a German instructor who, who I will never be able to pronounce ex- the right sort of way, the actual word for it, but basically it, it translated to touching the hairs. So think about that sort of way, like when you're wrapping your leg around, if you're touching the hairs, you're, you don't ever have to introduce like a heavy, heavy leg because ideally we don't have to use a heavy, heavy leg. But if you're wrapping yourself, your leg around them, you're really working on becoming more with them in the way that they move and all of that. And that actually should come, they, they're not very oppositional to it many times if you're thinking about sort of moving with them and not against them and then breaking down the steps where you are asking them to move off your leg into little bite-sized chunks. I love it. Um, I love it. Every, everything just has to be small and, and gentle. It sounds like just small, gentle, go slow and build your way up. And there you go. Yeah. Every horse is going to be a little different, but that'll help you just build a foundation. Isn't it amazing how different the same breed of horse can be between individuals? It's just, it blows my mind every time. Absolutely. You just sit and watch a single day at the thoroughbred makeover. You're talking about horses who have had a training for less than a year generally. And, uh, you just look at the whole crowd as the show similar to our show, which you would normally be able to watch, um, all thoroughbreds in you, you see such a huge range of sizes and shapes and colors and attitudes and the whole spectrum. So now I competed, I competed in the makeover last year. Are you going to be in the mega makeover next year? Absolutely. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah. Yay. Cool. Do you have your horse picked out already? Is it the one you adopted? I do. He was, yeah, he was the 2020 hopeful. So we're just going to keep on going for 2021. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing this magnificent opportunity for, you know, showcasing the breed where we have in the mega makeover, we're going to be able to see horses who have come through that sort of standard route of having that like nine months of training before getting to the 2021 makeover. But then this is such a cool opportunity to then have these 2020 class at the 2021 mega makeover. And you mm-hmm. can see, you know, a year later what these horses hopefully have accomplished and um, being able to just take a step further and see how much more physically they can mature and mentally mature. I think it's going to be so cool. I'm really it looking is, forward to it. It is going to be awesome. And if anybody wants to compete in the mega makeover next year, they can come in and adopt Fred. Oh my God. Okay. Like what I love about this horse that we're going to highlight today, his name is peace accord. He's a 2015 16 hand Bay gelding. He's got no white feet. He's got black solid looking hooves and they go all the way up three quarters up his legs. So he's like that classic Bay. And he's mm-hmm. just, he's a very solid citizen like solid yeah. looking. He's not a wafy little thing. He, he, and he's a winner too. Tell us about him. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he had 32 starts. So he has been there, done that. He even managed to retire with no known injuries. He has an oscillate. So it's a little bit of jewelry, but it's one of those things that's just cosmetic. It's more like a tattoo of his, you know, cool past where he's, he's earned his right to be considered uh, among the tried and true horses from the track where he has this wealth of 
information that he's learned and this experience of being all these different places, but he's also focused it really well in being produced in a new career path. So he has this great mindset. You know, sometimes people worry that horses will become too sort of fixated on their past and they will will have a hard time learning a new discipline, new career path. And that is definitely not the case with Peace Accord here. He is taken to learning in general really, really well. He's just quite a soft ride. He's really has that sort of more experienced, cool as a cucumber mindset, no matter what you're doing. And so I think no matter which direction he goes, he's going to be a great prospect because you couldn't hope for a more solid base. And then just this willing to learn, happy, generally good citizen, like you're saying, mindset. It's just, he's a super great prospect. Yeah, I do. I think he's adorable too. And watching the videos of him go along, he's really, he's just kind of like a plucky dude. Like, and, and I love that he's, he's five. So it's not like your typical three-year-old where you've kind of got to restart. Like you've got a five-year-old there's, there's ready to do so much more. I don't know if oh, people yeah. do people strike them for being a little older or do they look for the older horses? No, well, it's, it's tough. You have people coming from all different sides on that. I am seeing now more and more that people are really excited about the horses to have a little bit more experience and a little bit more age in comparison to our general average age is three or four years old. But at five years old, people really feel like they can tackle more. They can start them doing a little more jumping if that's what they want to do and not be so worried about, you know, when's the right time to start where you're not going to be physically straining them or, you know, mentally straining them. Like five years, five years old (laughs) is a really great in-between age because you're still really young, but it's not so old that people feel like they're not, uh, open to learning as much. So I think this has really become a really golden age and people are starting to look for it more and more, certainly. So his name is Peace Accord. His bar name is Fred and you can find him on horseadoption.com. And again, as always, Leander, thank you so much for coming on, answering our training tips and telling us about some awesome horses you guys have up for adoption at New Vocations. Well, thank you so much for having me as usual. See you next time. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding firm is taken second. But California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. We're back with one of our favorite people, Sarah Coleman from New Vocations, who has some pretty interesting things happening that you might be interested in. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So unfortunately, you guys had to make the tough decision to cancel your upcoming show, which we were all pretty bummed about, but appreciate that you're thinking of everyone's health and safety. But you have a very interesting alternative, which will be pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So we were extremely sad to have to cancel it. But just like you said, we were, our fear was not that we couldn't keep people safe. It was that something would happen when they got to the park that would, you know, potentially shut the event down once everyone was here, or they'd have to quarantine when they went back. And we didn't want anybody to be to be out while they're trying to enjoy themselves at the all thoroughbred show. But 
What we are working on is an opportunity to do an online horse show, and we will just kind of pick and choose some of the classes. We can't, unfortunately, include all what seems like two million of them, but we're hoping to keep the costume class, clearly. Um, We're hoping to keep some of the war horse classes, and we're really hoping to kind of involve more than just, you know, a course of jumps or walk shot canter on the flat. We're hoping that people will be able to tell us a little bit about thoroughbreds or their thoroughbred and why they love them. So, for example, it would probably be set this, set these five jumps like this, jump around, and then stop and tell the camera who your horse is and one fun fact about them or, or something along those lines. So we can kind of not necessarily recreate the camaraderie that people have at the horse show here in Kentucky, but mm-hmm. hopefully at least be able to get them to know a little bit more about the competitors they'll hopefully see in 2021. That's definitely exciting. I'm a fan of virtual horse shows, especially if you don't have the ability to travel as I have a truck that's broken right now. It's super lovely. Oh no. (laughs) Uh, It happens. Don't drive a truck from the eighties in 2020. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's vintage joy. It's vintage. It's it's vintage. (laughs) And you know what? She's, she's given me a lot over the years. I'd be grateful for that. But a virtual show is a neat way to maybe open some doors for people who couldn't have made the show before. So is it just going to be as simple as having, you know, your, your horse husband or the horse parent hanging out to just videotape you as, are you looking for any certain dimensions in an arena? Do you guys have an idea? We are not. We're, We're hoping to make it very, like you're saying, very inclusive. So it would be, you know, anybody, if they don't have an arena or they don't have big fancy jumps, you know, we definitely want to include everyone. We're hoping to be able to offer some trail classes as well for people that might have obstacles such as like water or a mailbox or things on their own property. Um, I will say that the Thoroughbred Incentive Program, they're hoping to offer an event in like January or February. They're calling it the Constellation Competition. Um, So they are looking to do that, but we will be, we will just be taking, we'll be doing the online horse show and then taking a hiatus until 2021 when we get back to the horse park. But the online, there will definitely be details of the virtual horse show. We will post it on Facebook and we will also make it on our available on our website, which is newvocations.org. Perfect. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And we'll also share on our Facebook as well once details come in. Thank you again, Sarah. And we're looking forward to it. Sounds wonderful. Thanks so much. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio or follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Check out Jamie's Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. Or you can shoot her an email at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.